Well, Genesis is done. It's kind of hard to believe after all these months. Uh, But tonight uh, we are starting, essentially starting our new series. Uh, But like I've told you before, it's a unique series. We're not doing uh, a normal, you know, just a book study or a topic study. Uh, This is kind of a conceptual series on the topic of rest and and on the idea of rest and what that means. And obviously rest for me to have some time off from preaching. But also, I hope, rest rest for this whole community, Sophia, that we all get some rest because we all need it. And so I'm hoping this season uh, will be a, a restful time for you as well. So tonight we start uh, this series. If I, I can get this to work. There we go. Rest. Rest. So, um, as we as we start this tonight, I guess I wanted to tell you, uh, like I said, this is not a normal sermon night. It's not going to be a standard Jeremy. This is going to more be a Jeremy diatribe, Jeremy ramble, if you will. Uh, but it's a. Uh, it's interesting because I'm excited about tonight. I've thought about it a lot. Um, and we're going to do something unique that uh, is not normal, so it fits the rest theme of, of an unusual series. Uh, but tonight we're going to do some art criticism. And um, I don't mean that to say uh, we're going to deconstruct some art and like talk about how bad it is. I just mean we're going to uh, look at as critics, right? We're, we're looking at it and we're thinking about it and the meaning and value. And this is something uh, I've actually, I do quite a bit. Um, before I was the, the lead pastor here at Wellspring and we started this church, I was a middle school pastor in Portland. And so when I was there, I was teaching the middle schoolers and believe it or not, they got the exact same thing you guys get each week. I would teach them the Bible exegetically straight on. And the middle schoolers loved it, right? I'm, I'm not joking. I'm not being facetious. They loved it because the Bible speaks life to people. So um, I, one of the things I did that I thought was really cool um, was I did a series on parables for them. And every week, uh, the parables are actually one of the great art history pieces uh, because they're just such vivid stories. And so there's a lot of artists in history that have done uh, renditions of the parables. And one of my favorites that I did, um, there's this, this great story in, uh, in the gospels It's called the Pharisee and traditionally it's been called the Pharisee and the publican. We know it as the Pharisee and the tax collector. And it's this great parable about the two of them entering the holy space and their reactions to being in the holy space, right? To being in the temple. How is the Pharisee approach the temple space, the sacred space? How does the tax collector approach the sacred space? And um, I found this great artist. His name's Eugene Bernand, and he's awesome. And he's a Swiss artist, and he's done a a whole bunch of different uh, art pieces of different parables. And he does them in black and white. Uh, It looks like it's just pencil. They're fantastic. But anyway, the Pharisee and the tax collector looks like this. It's a great piece. I love it. See, the thing I love about it is it has a lot of meaning behind it because what's going on, if you see in the foreground, you've got, who's that? That's the Pharisee, right? He's looking up to God, 
And it looks like God's light shines down on him, doesn't it? It's very lighted portion of the picture. You can see his face is very clear. It's, it's lit up like the light of God itself shines down on him. And in the background, you can see the tax collector back there by one of the pillars. And his eyes are averted. His eyes are facing downward. And he seems, at least his face, to be cloaked in shadow. Unable to even look up to the throne of God, right? That's the idea of that parable. And if you look at it from all intents and purposes, just from the outside, if you look at this parable, if you put yourself in that scene, you imagine it, that's exactly what you'd see, the cloaked and shadow tax collector who is, he can't be near to God, (laughs) right? He's a tax collector. He's at the back of the temple. He can't look up to heaven. He's cloaked in shadow because he's a dark person. He has a dark heart, and he must from the outside. And the Pharisee, he's got to be the righteous one, the good one, the one who does everything right. And so, of course, the light of God shines down on his face. That's what it looks like. But the thing that he does to subvert that in the painting is look at their clothes. See, from appearances, the faces is what we see. The light of God is upon the Pharisee and the shadow, uh, the cloak of shadows upon the tax collector. But if you look at their clothes, the Pharisee is cloaked in darkness. While the tax collector has the pure white robes of righteousness. What appears to us in one way as the light of God on the Pharisee and the cloak of darkness upon the tax collector, he subverts in their clothing by saying, no, 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 the heart of the parable is what? The tax collector approaches God in a holy way, repentant, recognizing his his worthlessness to be before God, and yet God acknowledges him. And of course, the Pharisee, who everyone would think is the right man, is the man for the job, right? The the righteous one. Actually, his heart is haughty and proud. And his heart, the way he operates, is actually cloaked in darkness. All that from this picture. That's the power of art. That's the power of a visual representation. This is not the only time I did this. Another series, this is just, I guess, for fun to tell you about it, but um, another series I did on First and Second Thessalonians, went through First and Second Thessalonians with the kids, uh, I called it Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, my favorite Disney movie, love it. Uh, and here's the reason. Because my worldview, my understanding, my Christian worldview, shapes and informs everything I do. And that's true for everyone, really. Whatever your worldview, it shapes how you interpret things. My worldview as a Christian, it applies to everything I do. And I think about those things in light of that. And so the story of Beauty and the Beast is a story that I interpret through a Christian lens. And the thing I love about Beauty and the Beast is that fundamentally, at its heart, it's a story about the believer in Christ. And what Christ does to transform the heart of a believer. It's really beautiful. The story is a story of sanctification. And the way that connects to First and Second Thessalonians is the fact that, oh, by the way, here's my picture of Beast, who I love. Favorite character. 
beast, beast is the Christian. Dark before salvation. Unworthy. Cursed. Bell is Christ. Bell is the one who starts the process of sanctifying beast. Changes him. Transforms him. And literally, if you know the story, of course, the story is literally based around the idea of transformation. He's transformed in his curse. All his... All his servants are transformed, right? This is a Christian story. It's a story of sanctification. And of course, First and Second Thessalonians, if you know those books, um, they're highly, even though you might not think this, they're highly applicable to teenagers, which is why I did this series in the first place, because the two themes of the, of the letters to Thessalonians are this. The two things teenagers need more than anything else, hope and holiness. That's the themes of Beauty and the Beast beast that there's hope i can change holiness that the heart inside him is turned towards good that's just me reflecting on a movie i've loved since i was a kid right see when you have that perspective everything takes on meaning i know i'm hyper i'm a hyper meaning type of person i probably imbue too much another example is when when my uh, toyota camry got got totaled. I got hit by someone and totaled our Camry. Uh, Our neighbor was a chaplain at the time. This is in Portland. And we were all out saying goodbye to the Camry. It was getting towed, taken away. And, uh, he, he must've been watching us or something, but he came out and he's like, wow, man, like that was really cool watching you guys say goodbye to your Camry. It was liturgical is what he said. (laughs) That's what he said. But it was, he's probably right. Because I literally had each one of us, we, would, we all said our favorite memory. And we said a prayer and thank God for the Camry. That's just how I think. All that to say, um, in my world, in, in my understanding of things, everything has meaning. Everything has value. And I think that's true for everyone, whether we think about it intensely, like I, of course, do, or not. We always imbue our worldview into things. And art is beautiful in that particular way because there can be so much meaning packed into so little space, into such a little thing. And so with that uh, tonight, uh, the culmination of basically a two-month process, uh, the leadership team and I were engaged in uh, with a local artist who's a friend of mine. His name's Nathan Douglas Yoder. He is awesome. His work is great. And the thing I love about him is that he... Um, is like an old school artist. He does digital work, uh, but he still wants to master the, the old art of art, right? The hand techniques and, the, and the, the, the pen and ink and uses a dipped quill. Just beautiful work. His work's wonderful. Anyway, we, par- uh, we paired with him and came to him with some ideas for making uh, a Wellspring logo. And so this two-month culmination is tonight where I share with you uh, the Wellspring logo and talk about it. But here it is, Wellspring Church. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I love it. A lot of thought went into this. Uh, here you can see, here's the word mark, Wellspring. It has a traditional feel. That was something that was really important to us. 
uh, because we wanted something that would not look like every other church. In fact, uh, Nathan at the time said, he's like, you know, event, he's like, because I was just telling him, you know, I want something traditional. I want something, you know, that very feels different. I don't, I really don't want like a, a corporatized logo. I really don't. And he was like, you know, if you, he basically said, if you, if you get too far away from what everyone else is doing, it kind of starts to look like you're not playing the same game. That's how he described it. And I said, exactly. That's what I want. I want to look like I'm not playing the same game as everyone else. That's exactly, take that as inspiration, Nathan. That was my, that was my hope. And uh, so he did this by hand. This is not a digitized drawing. He did it with dipped ink and quill. And so this is a a cool, really unique um, way that he did it. So we have this very traditional uh, word mark with this kind of old English style. And you can see in the W all those going the same way. And the L's are really unique. And, uh, And church, I love that church is tucked in there right between the P and the G. I love that. Uh, that was interesting for me on a, uh, hey, Gwen, not taking questions. Thanks. Uh, the tuck between the P and the G is church there. And that was really significant for me. Um, and I'll tell you why, because when I named this church, uh, when really the Lord named that he gave me the name for it, um, I really debated about having church as part of the name for a long time. And the reason was, uh, when I, thought of what I wanted Wellspring to be, I I really wanted people who were hurt by the church to be a part of it. And that word just brings up a lot of pain for people. And so originally I I struggled and went back and forth on whether it was going to be Wellspring or Wellspring Church or, and, and, you know, even with it being Wellspring Church, I still pretty much just call it Wellspring usually. Uh, But that was significant. And the Lord led me to include church in the name of this church. Uh, very specifically. And there was a reason for that. And the reason was this. The reason was that at some point, those who have been hurt by the church, those who have had, you know, their hearts broken by it, have to accept that it's the plan. That it's the plan that God has. And no amount of our hurt, no amount of, and this is me speaking from my own life, by the way. This is not me just preaching to people who've been hurt. I've been hurt. And I recognized that I had to come to the place where I said, the church is the plan. You can't bow out of it. It's the only option. Church is what God intended for us to be. And so I love seeing church there like that because it's like, it just, it reminds me of the process I went through. It's like, it's small. Yeah, it's tiny, but you can't get rid of it because we're the church. I love that. Here's the logo mark made big. The lines in the background were meant to evoke kind of those old woodblock prints. Have you ever seen those that they carve out of the wood? They're gorgeous. Actually, what's interesting, Nathan actually does those. That's another technique he works on. He actually makes woodblocks that are, you could use as stamps or prints or whatever. They're really beautiful. But that kind of evokes that wood print, that woodblock print, and I love that in the background. And of course, you can see very clearly that that W is in the, in the logo, right? That W is, almost makes the logo a monogram, doesn't it? This kind of thing that it's like a stamp. This is Wellspring. We've got the W. You can connect it. Oh, there's the W. There's the W. 
But at its heart, at its heart is the well, right? You can see the bricks, right? You look here, you can see the bricks down here. This is the bricks of the well from a side view. And of course, here's the vessel. These is our, our support beams. You know, these are uh, the, the sticks that are holding up, tied by rope here with a crossbar. And here's the vessel for dipping into the well. And that was really sacred to me. And if you've been here a while, you've heard me preach on these passages, I think at this point, three or four different times or at least mention them, throughout the two, almost two years we've been a church. Uh, but I'm going to get to do it again tonight, and I'm going to keep doing it forever, because I love them, and they're meaningful, and they are what the name Wellspring Church, where it came from. And this well, what I, I want you to think of, of course, is John 4. Sorry, this is kind of washed out. I don't know what happened to the PowerPoint. John 4 says this, Jesus answered and said to her, this is Jesus and the Samaritan woman. In John 4, meeting at the well. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and this well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. The water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. One of the reasons this church is named Wellspring Church as it relates to John 4 is that we wanted Wellspring Church to be a place where people encountered Jesus, just like this woman. That when they came here, that they might just be coming to the well for a drink. Oh, I got to go to church. I guess it's Easter. Show up. And then they have an encounter with the, the real Wellspring. Because the real Wellspring it isn't the well. It isn't the, the water she's going to drink from the well. It's, it's the man she met there. It's Jesus. John 4 reminds us that when you come to Wellspring Church, we hope you have an encounter at the well with Jesus. That's our prayer. That you'd come here and meet him. In the second passage different tenor is Jeremiah 2. Jeremiah 2 says this. This is the Lord bringing a legal argument against his people. He says this. Therefore, I will yet contend with you, declares the Lord. And with your sons, sons, I will contend. For cross to the coastlands of Katim. And see, and send to Keter, and observe closely, and see if there has ever been such a thing as this. Has a nation ever changed gods when they were not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder. Be very desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, 
the wellspring of living waters to hew for themselves cisterns, cisterns that can hold no water. Jeremiah 2 was significant in coming up with the name of Wellspring Church because I wanted us to always come back to the fountain of living waters, to his word, that his word would always be central at Wellspring, that we would not be a a people who went and found other sources of life, who went and tried to dig up some little nasty, muddy water we found in some pit and think we're going to find sustenance from it, but that we'd come back to the fountain. Because God, the scriptures that he's given us, the very voice of him speaking, that's the wellspring. And what God is saying here, may this never be said of this church like it was said of Israel. Like it could be said of other churches. My prayer is it would never be said of us. That we went in huge cisterns that we thought would hold water and give us life. And we forsook the wellspring of living waters to make cisterns for ourselves. And prayer is that wellspring will always be a place we come back to his voice and his word to hear what he has to say on everything. Here's our color scheme. It's a little, like I said, it's faded out. Uh, We ended up getting uh, three different colors for kind of a color palette. We have black and white, which are were more standard. But then we ended up going with a blue, a gray, and a red. And again, even this, like I said, I'm an overthinker to the core. Um, even this had meaning for me. It had meaning for me in this way. We look at the blue. What do you think of when you think of blue? Well, you think of water. We're, we're called Wellspring. It's a water theme. Who is the living water that Jesus spoke of in John? Well, according to John 7, it explicitly says that the living water was the Holy Spirit. And so when we took a blue, I thought, man, that is a symbol of the Spirit. The water that gives life is actually God's own Spirit, that one that we should never forsake. The one that Jesus says, if you taste of this water, the Spirit... It will become a well up in you, springing up to eternal life. I see that when I see the blue. We see the red. I see the red and I think of Jesus, of his precious blood shed for those at Wellspring. It's kind of an earthy, got almost a a tinge of brown in that red. It's just that Real earthy red. And I love that because it reminds me of Jesus, the human, the man who actually paid a price, who actually shed his real blood to effect salvation. If you don't know this about me yet, I'm thoroughly Trinitarian. I think Trinitarianly in pretty much everything. So, of course, we had a Holy Spirit and a Jesus in colors. So I had to figure out how gray would apply to the Father. And I did. Because gray is very much a background color, isn't it? It's very much a color that just becomes the background of things. 
That's the father. (laughs) The background to everything that happens. The one in whom the spirit and the son find their meaning. The architect, the planner, the one who set everything in motion is the father. The one in whom everything finds its ground. When I see gray, I think of that. Because gray, like I said, is this, is this kind of absorbing background in which everything finds its place. So tonight, uh, I wanted to find a gift for you. And I thought it highly appropriate, just in terms of, of us being Wellspring Church, uh, that I would make um, these mugs for you. It's nice. So uh, we've got the three colors. So you're going to have to choose your favorite member of the Trinity, and I will judge you based on which one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Whichever your favorite member of the Trinity, take that color. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course I don't think that. But I do think it's special. Uh, Here's our red, by the way. I'll let you... I will not make you uh, pick one before looking. You can come look at them. Uh, But here's the red. Uh, we, and we have the blues and grays over there as well. This is just a gift for you. It's got, it's got a hot cocoa or a spice cider pack, a candy cane, a few candies in the mug. Um, and we wanted to give these to you, the Wellspring leadership team. And which, by the way, I just need to say thank you to everyone on the leadership team. That's my mom, my dad, Monique, Tyler, Aaron. Uh, we did this whole process together for two months. And we'd get together every time we got a, a new draft. And we'd all look over it and talk about it. And I will, I will say... I don't think I've ever seen a more smooth process for, like, unanimousness across the board. It was amazing. It really felt like God was there with us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no questions, Janice. Thank you. Um, no, no, no. It's, she's right. She's right. Um, she is correct. We all got to say what we wanted to say, and I really feel like the consensus we came to, I really feel God was present in it because we all felt uh, united in what we decided. We felt like this really emblematically showed who Wellspring is. So anyway, what I want to end with, this is the last thing I'm going to say. What I want to end with is this. I thought this was a perfect gift, uh, this mug. Uh, Because Wellspring, this water theme of Wellspring, um, I hope... That when you take this home, I hope every time you get up in the morning and you pour yourself a cup of coffee in it, or if you're like Tyler and I and you're going to bed and you pour a Mountain Dew in it or whatever, (laughs) I hope that when you look at this cup and you look at that symbol that I showed you on this mug, I pray you'll be reminded of John 4 and Jeremiah 2. I pray you'll look at it and you'll remember, Lord, help me to have an encounter with Jesus today just like the Samaritan woman. And I pray that when you take this cup and you you drink from it, you'll be reminded God is the wellspring of living waters. You'll be reminded to not go out and hew other cisterns for yourself. Find other sources of life that will leave you wanting, that'll leave you destitute. That you would look at this symbol, you'd see this symbol this logo, and you'd be reminded, go back to the wellspring.
I hope, I hope you'll have this mug when you open your scriptures in the morning and you'll see it and you'll be reminded, this is the voice of God. This is the wellspring of living waters I'm coming to, to drink from again when you look at this. So that's all I have for you tonight. Just my thoughts on this process, a reflection on it, and a gift. I want you all to take. And, and you know, Nate, I love you, buddy. I, uh, originally, I don't know if you guys remember this, I was going to do my Christmas sermon tonight, and we're going to do the gifts next week. Uh, but I switched it. I wanted Nate to get one before he left. I wanted to have something to take with him as he leaves us in, in the next couple of weeks. I wanted him to remember that no matter where he goes, no matter what community he becomes a part of, that he'll always be part of Wellspring. And I wanted you all to have it for Christmas so that you can remember that Wellspring loves you, is thinking of you, and that uh, I just pray you'll have a merry, merry Christmas, that you will remember everything that God did to, to provide for you, that he planned, the Father planned in his goodness And in his love of you, that he planned while you were yet his enemy, that he would send his son to die for you. That the son came, was humble enough to become man, humble enough to submit even to death, and pay that price to give you salvation. And that the Holy Spirit poured out on us, that he came into us, not just among us, which is great enough, but in us, So that in us, we might become the temple of the presence of God, that the Holy Spirit in you as a Christian literally is God dwelling in you. So that God in himself, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit might fulfill what all of Scripture has been about. I will be your God. You will be my people. And I will dwell among you. God did that. And he's done it now. He's affected it in his church. He's made it happen. It's real right now in us. And that he's drawing us towards a future in which we will live in the perfect fullness of the triune God's presence before the Father, the Son, and the Spirit forever. May that day come soon. God bless you. Tyler, will you come close us in a prayer?